Hello, welcome to the Craft Hot Sauce Podcast. This is your host, Brian, and we're bringing you an episode with Sarah Marshall of Marshall's Hot Sauce in Portland, Oregon. So when I started this podcast and website in 2014, uh, Marshall's Hot Sauce was on my radar because I was seeing what they were up to making craft hot sauces um, with very unique flavors, lots of seasonal things, and just get pulling inspiration from what is available to them. So I was super excited to learn more about Sarah's background, why she's been doing what she's been doing for more than 10 years, and also get uh, some inspiration and ideas on how she approaches new recipes and works on collaborations. Um, We talked specifically about one she did with the Heatnist, um, which is a pretty cool hot sauce. So it was really enjoyable speaking with her and getting to, to talk about that process and her own journey. And... Of course, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, we always like to see if there's a connection with featuring some music to introduce you to some music you probably wouldn't otherwise hear about. And Sarah is a big fan of Vita and the Wolf. And now I am too. Uh, I'm rocking this on my morning walks, on my runs, could be when I'm having some coffee in the morning. So you're going to hear the introduction of the song Home by Vita and the Wolf. Uh, The whole song will be at the end of the episode, but you can purchase a record from the Tender Loving Empire or on her band camp. Uh, And that is Vita and the Wolf, V-I-T-A and the wolf with a double o in the wolf so enjoy the song enjoy the episode let's go you can be the star i can be the Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the Craft Hot Sauce podcast uh, and, and being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I, I've, you have your own podcast, and I love how you start off the podcast by asking a question, which a lot of people ask at the end of a podcast. But let's start off where, where can people find you uh, so that people can do this now as opposed to at the very end of the podcast? Sure. Well, so people can find me, um, on Instagram. I am at spicy Marshall and that's my personal one. I do a lot of cooking, a lot of canning on that one. And then if you want to find me on Instagram for hot sauce, I am at Marshall's hot sauce. That's H-A-U-T-E. And then my podcast, I actually have two. So one is, um, at Masonian Marshall. So that podcast is called The Meaningful Marketplace. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and things like that. And then the other podcast I do is with my husband and that one is called VHS and it's VH-US. And you can find that on Instagram and there's a website as well. Cool. Well, uh, is there uh, a, a general theme to that one? 
yeah yeah so that um podcast is actually so everything else is sort of like uh food themed and and the vhs is not my um husband is a big movie guy he grew up in a video store and so um so that podcast is he has someone watch a movie usually like a movie people don't know really kind of from 80s 90s whenever and uh and then the person that's the guest has the same profession as whoever was in the movie so we've had like um the movie vibes which is about a psychic and then um it has jeff goldblum in it as um (laughs) cindy lopper as psychic and then uh we had a psychic on so you know it's just really fun and dirk has had the podcast for a long time but i just joined him as a co-host during covid um just because it was a little bit easier to create good dialogue with us the two of us being in the same room and then the guest zooms in so um so i do that one with him that's really cool yeah no i've been uh as a host of a podcast i've been kind of thinking about the dynamics of everybody's podcast like everybody has a different angle podcast and and like I love some of the podcasts that have two or three hosts and like they you can kind of like really get to know their friendship and their dynamic and I'm sure that's taken them a lot of times and hours to to build that and then as a single person maybe that's more interview focused or maybe that's just like ranting and and, and that can take a long time to establish a voice so it, it's I, I think podcasting is really cool that it keeps you on your toes but I, I find myself just loving to to listen to a whole variety and, and different types of them but that that one's very uh it, I always appreciate somebody that kind of goes a few different layers deep to like curate something really unique and cool that one that one seems I'm definitely gonna have to check uh, I've listened to your other uh, kind of makers podcast, but I'm gonna have to check that one out too. Yeah, well, I think that's the fun thing about podcasts is like, you know, you're listening to them because you are interested in the topic, but also because you become interested and connected to the people. And so I think that, um, you know, when it's just one person, I think there's great podcasts with one person, but that becomes more of like, almost like a segment or news segment or a radio show or something like that, where if you have multiple people chatting, then it's kind of like you're hanging out with the people. So it's just yeah. a little, it just kind of depends on what you're into. If you're more of like, I'm doing this for knowledge, I think one person is good. And I think if you're like, I'm doing this for fun and I want to be entertained and I want to feel like I'm hanging out with these people, then I think multiple hosts is kind of the way to go. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, well, in addition to that, you've been making hot sauce for 10 years. And, and I just want to say congratulations, because uh, like that, that's just a huge, <laughs> it, it's, I feel like every year is a milestone and people should be congratulated on that. But like 10 years is like dog years is like seven years in, in a human year. But I, I don't know what entrepreneurship and hot sauce <laughs> and operation hot- wise is. Yeah. But- it it really honestly feels like a lifetime. And I do think that 10 years is a long time uh, to have any kind of business, really. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, from a food production standpoint and from a hot sauce standpoint, I think it is a long time. And um, but I love it. You know, I, I can't imagine doing anything else at this point. I think I'm just in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you're in it. You're, and, yeah. and we're in it, too. Um, <laughs> Do you remember the first day you made a hot sauce? 
Yeah, I do. So I, um, I used to be a social worker and I worked for nonprofit group homes, uh, here in Portland, uh, mostly working with teenage boys and, uh, I was running them, you know, and so with that comes a lot of different aspects of the job, you know, you're doing individual counseling, you're doing case management, you're writing assessments. Um, but you know, the teams are really small, the budget is really small. So it's also in charge of food for, for those programs and feeding the kids. So we would get a lot of, um, stuff donated from the food bank and from local farmers. And so when I, you know, would go to the food bank, there would just be all this fresh produce that like people sometimes take it, but what's easier when you're in that kind of setting is to take, you know, packaged processed food. So if you can pick up something that's already made, then you can just go home and either the kids, if, if you're working on life skills, they can, you could teach them how to make it themselves. Um, but it, that will be things like, you know, some kind of boxed mac and cheese or, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but then there was all this fresh produce and I grew up with kind of hippie parents. And so, um, you know, I was, I wanted to use it and I wanted to teach them how to use it and teach their families how to use all this fresh food. So there was a box of peppers. I picked them up. They, no one else was going to take them. And I made hot sauce and, and the kids, the boys that I worked with liked spicy stuff already. And so it was just kind of like a go-to. And then I just started making it for everybody. So that, that day you were planning on, you're like, okay, I'm going to make a, a hot sauce today because there's peppers. I'm just curious, like how you a- approach the recipe and, and, uh, yeah. well, we started sort of a bigger, um, you know, when, when we looked at the food that we were feeding the kids that we worked with, we were, we were trying to feed them natural products. And so we, you know, a lot of stuff has preservatives. We had a lot of kids who were maybe, on the spectrum or, or something like that. And we noticed that if they were eating a lot of food with um, food coloring, with preservatives, things like that, they had a lot more behaviors that, you know, we were trying to help them. So we tried to cut all of that out. So it just sort of fell into place that then, um, you know, some of the things that we had in the refrigerators or the things that were donated, especially sauces, um, had a lot of that stuff that we were trying not to give them. So I know that the first sauce that I made was with those box of peppers, but then, and that was a red Fresnos that were at the um, food bank. But then the next one was barbecue sauce because, excuse me, because the barbecue sauces had a lot of stuff that we were trying to not give those kids. So I started making- And was that like, uh, like high fructose Mm -hmm. syrup? Yeah. All the, all the corn syrups, all the red dyes, all of Mm. any, anything like that. We were really trying to not totally, you know, totally get it out, but we were trying to do less just because we were trying to make like small goals towards, um, you know, to see if it would kind of lessen some of the behaviors and it really did. And so, you know, we have a smoked habanero barbecue sauce that's in our line. And that was really the beginning of like experimenting with that and realizing that a lot of the barbecue sauces that were on, you know, store shelves and being donated were just full of preservatives and, and dyes and stuff. So, so that's just kind of like, the natural thing of me paying attention to those kinds of things. And then, um, you know, the more I would go pick up produce from farmers that were donating food or getting stuff from the food bank, the more I was like getting really into canning and, and teaching families how to can. So I did a lot of, um, you know, parent groups as the kids were maybe hoping to transition home. 
So teaching them how to cook really easy meals or how to can, uh, all that kinds of stuff. Um, and then I just, I loved that piece so much more than the other piece. And I okay. really wanted yeah, to yeah. get into that. So, so I did. So, yeah. I, I like, I've also been thinking a lot about education. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I feel like a, as a hot sauce owner, sometimes I have to educate people how to use hot sauce. And, and I'm kind of wish I could like have a clean slate and it's like, no, 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 this is not going to blow your mouth off. Mm-hmm. This is not one size fits all. Um, but it sounds like you were doing uh, obviously a lot of education around uh, working with certain populations and, and also, I mean, educating them on a lot of things related mm-hmm. to food. Um, but do you think like that is a huge piece of your job and, and some of like the, the things that you're, some of the muscles that you're, you're kind of flexing every single day uh, is around education? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, I always say that, you know, all of the jobs and all of the things that I have done prior to being a business owner and prior to being a, a sauce business owner kind of have helped to create a strong foundation for the business because I had already been a teacher. I'd already been a counselor. I'd already, um, you know, done all of those things and they helped me to do this. So, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of my time now cause I do the farmer's market and I do a lot of, um, I have a monthly news segment that's on our local news station. And so I'll teach people how to cook with food from the market because my ultimate goal is, I mean, of course I want people to buy my hot sauce, but I want people to buy anybody's local product and support, you know, farmers, support businesses, support bakeries, support anything that they can that's going to keep our local food community thriving. And so a lot of times when I'm doing different cooking demos, you know, I'll put them on our, if anybody ever wants is interested in watching on our, um, on my spicy Marshall Instagram, I'll do cooking segments with whatever's in season at the market. And that the benefit of that is that people are already, especially during the pandemic, cooking at home. And what I really learned in the beginning is that, um, you know, people wanted something quick and easy with basic cooking skills that maybe they didn't have. So I've kind of done things like just basics on how to cook rice or beans or things like that, but incorporating hot sauces into it so that it, it is giving that flavor. Um, and you're also learning a, a cooking technique, um, but it's not like you said, it's not really for those heat seekers, because I think people know how to do that one on their own. They don't need my help. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And and that's like what I I think is so cool about hot sauce. And we're going to get into the blood, sweat and tears and and the, the, the love for the labor. Um, but it's like a, a hot sauce can have 15 to 20 ingredients in there. And yes, there's been a lot of work that's gone into that, but then you can just take that one ingredient that like equals 20 and put it into every single meal. (laughs) So I I think that's really cool for so many reasons as opposed to to like focusing on on local, but uh, just how easy and accessible it can be. I'm sensing that local having things go around are some of your kind of the why behind that. Uh, I don't know if there's other elements like behind your why. And and I'm also curious is 
has that shifted over 10 years or gotten kind of more deeply based into Marshall's hot sauce? Um, just curious how that why has developed over the years. Sure. Well, I think it was there from the beginning. I mean, that's, I had the relationships with the farmers before I even started the business. So um, just from picking up that food that they were donating. So I was already part of the farmer's market, you know, going there and picking up this food and then taking it back. And then I would, you know, got really into canning the different things like, um, you know, a lot of apples would get donated. So I would, um, can applesauce, teach the parents how to can applesauce, and then bring some back to the farmers to be like, hey, you know, you donated these apples and look what we did with it. And the kids and the families are stoked, you know. And so I had those relationships already. And um, but that became kind of the driving force behind the business was that I am going to continue to tell people about what these amazing farmers are growing and doing. I'm going to continue to tell people how to, uh, you know, can it and and use all of it. And um, you know, I'm going to create these cool flavors that are based on just what's in season. And so, uh, you know, the way that our business works is that we do have about 27 different flavors that come in and out of season. Wow. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll only make, you know, 50 bottles or something like that and sell it at the market. Or, um, you know, we do a sauce subscription and so people can get things that way. And so, you know, it's, I'm not mass producing thousands of bottles of one flavor of sauce. I do have some that are available year round because I can get, you know, can the tomatoes that I want to use or freeze the peppers and I could continue to make those, but I had to make those very limited because I needed to be able to, um, you know, put all that stuff up for later. So, but then the other ones, I will just have, you know, maybe, maybe only one market I'll have them, but maybe I'll have them for a couple of months. Uh, and so that's been really nice for, um, you know, continuing to teach people about what's growing and what's growing at the same time. So when sometimes people ask me about my flavors and how I come up with them and things like that, it's really just the mark, you know, the farmer's market and what the farms are growing is how my sauce flavors come in to play. So like, one of our most popular sauces is our Serrano ginger lemongrass sauce. And that sauce is just because those things are all growing at the same time, you know, um, Serrano's, tomatillos, and, and ginger and local lemongrass all are at the market at the same time. And mm -hmm. a lot of times people don't know what to do with those or how to process them. Ginger and lemongrass are really hard ingredients to process on just like, you know, for your own personal cooking. So yeah. I thought, well, I'll do this for people. And then, you know, they don't have to do it. They don't have to buy a bundle of lemongrass and do all the work. I'll do it for them. And, and, you know, that be has become one of our most popular flavors, I think for that reason. That's awesome. Wow. That, yeah. that sounds like a really great combination. Cause like, I think that's always so cool. Just thinking about the different ways to combine them, but absolutely seeing about what's in season. Um, do you, pro how, how do you process your sauces differently or do you cook them fresh? Are some of them ferment or are they fermented, uh, curious about how you like to cook and if they, if they differ from batch to batch? Yeah, they, I mean, they're all a little bit different, but I don't do any fermenting for our sauces that we sell. Um, you know, I have a canning book and I, um, I love fermenting and I have 
some recipes in the book for um, showing people how to ferment or when I teach classes, I like to teach people how to do that kind of stuff. But on a uh, production level, it's a little bit challenging because if you're fermenting stuff, you kind of have to have thing, a place to keep things and for them yeah. to sit and, and do their thing. And, you know, when I was very first starting, I started in our, you know, 750 square foot home. That was the size of our entire home. So our kitchen was much smaller than that. Oh, wow. And, um, and I didn't have the space to do that. And then I moved into a shared space where you couldn't move things back and forth. I mean, I had to move things back and forth. I couldn't leave them there. So there was no way for me to leave fermenting, you know, peppers and sauce in the kitchen. I had to move everything out at the end of the day. So it just never really fit into what we were doing. Yep. Um, but I always tell people that I love fermented food and I will buy everyone else's fermented hot sauce, <laughs> but it yeah, just yeah. doesn't fit into our model. Cool. Can, yeah. Can you walk me through like a hot sauce cook? I, I don't know if you've been cooking the la last couple of weeks. Like, is it yourself? Is it uh, also your husband, Dirk? Are you playing music? Like how many hours does it take? I I'd love to, for you to, to sure. paint the picture for, for us yeah. listening. <laughs> well, so we have a lot of unique things that come into play. So one is that our kitchen is on the bottom floor of our house. So we have a commercial kitchen that is built into the bottom of our house. It, it at one point was a double car garage. And um, the person who we bought the house from did all of the conversions to make it a licensed official commercial kitchen. Wow. So that is our already in and of itself, very unique. Um, so you can so, just forget stuff all the time and, you, and you're good. Yeah. Well, and it's a big difference than from when I was hauling things back and forth to a kitchen that's across town sharing with people Absolutely. <laughs> because that was a lot of like running around and being like, I brought everything except for I left the prepped, you know, whatever at home. So, yep. so yeah, so this is nice because everything's here. Uh, the challenge of that is that um, it's hard to stop working. So especially during the pandemic, we worked a lot um, because it, you know, there's always something that you can do and there's always work that can be done. And so um, I think that's the thing I'm, I'm constantly learning and struggling with is that I, I have to set hours for myself and be like, okay, I'm going to work this regular time and then I'm not going back downstairs and that's it because um the way that it's set up is the whole downstairs is the business so we have the kitchen there's a bathroom for our employees to use there's um then our podcast studio which I'm in now and then we have like a packing and shipping area and then and that's it for the downstairs and then upstairs is our home so I really have to be like okay after five o'clock I'm not going back downstairs I don't need to <laughs> yeah well that's good that you have have at least like a, a floor separation and, and it, yeah. It must, yeah, it's really cool to have a spot, especially yeah. when you're sharing it with employees. I think it, sure. you just, that builds a lot it is, has that, yeah, I guess, tell me about your, your team a little bit. Uh, I think that, sure. I think it's really cool when you, you make something Originally, it's just yourself or maybe whoever your, your partners are, but I think yeah. there gets to a point and I, I definitely imagine because, and a lot of other people, myself included, really respect your hot sauces and you've been around for a long time. It, it gets bigger than yourself. And, and I think the team has to play a role with that. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. It does, it does, it has gotten bigger, but in, in, um, 
in terms of food production, we're still really, you know, really small. So I make every batch of hot sauce still. I bottle it all myself. Um, and as far as our, our team goes, it is my husband, Dirk. So he does all of the labeling, all of the shipping. So if you get an order shipped to you, Dirk has packed that up. If you look at the labels, Dirk has hand stamped all of those and put the labels on. Um, that's his zone. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are eating the sauce, I have made it and, and blended it and bottled it and, and cooked it. Um, I always have two part-time employees and they are, because our business is in our home, they are people that I know very well. So in these 10 years, I've only really had about four different employees over the time because the people that work with me are people that I know, people that I love, people that are continuing to be in my life, but they also usually have something else that they're doing, you know, some other job or some other passion. Um, And so they come here to help us when needed. I mostly need help with uh, delivering sauce. So usually somebody is a a delivery driver for me. And then um, I started to have a lot of problems with my hands over the years from putting on all of those um, caps on the tops of bottles. So I actually dislocated my fingertips and it was from putting on too many bottles of sauce or too many lids myself. So um, now when I'm in production, I always have somebody in the kitchen with me that puts those lids on um, so that I can still use my hands (laughs) for for making sauce because that's really the important part. Um, And so the people that I have working with me right now, I actually know from the farmer's market. So when I started the business that same year, I also started, um, you know, doing the Portland farmer's market. So I have met a lot of great market managers and other people that work for the farm stands. So right now, um, you know, currently right in this moment, my friend Seth is in the kitchen and he, um, I met him from, he was one of the farm stand managers. And then he ran, he was a farmer and he ran a refugee program through, um, Mercy Corps Northwest, which is um, where I took some business classes when I was first starting the business. And he ran a refugee farm there. And so I've known him this whole time, but he, during the pandemic, he, um, the restaurant he worked at and did some farming work foreclosed. And so he needed somewhere to work. So he came to join me. So that's just kind of an example of how I find people and find buddies and, um, and they help me get all this done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes, takes a village, even if it's a very small village. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ours is definitely a small village, but it's, um, you know, it's one of, you know, love. And I'm just like, I'm always so grateful that people want to come and, and help me in the kitchen and, um, and pretty much everyone I've, I've met at the farmer's market is how I like kind of find my people. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so do you play music or, or is it a mix or do you talk or, or uh... yeah, I think it's very important for people to be able to have their own music choices when they're working. Yep. Um, I've always felt that way, you know, in any job that I've had, I think, I think music is important to people. I think it's a good motivator to people. So, um, so we just kind of switch on and off. We don't really listen to podcasts because it's hard. Yep. Um, it's hard because it's so loud, you know, we're doing a lot of blending, a lot of even just the, um, fan, the hood fan is, pretty loud and that's on pretty much all the time. And I also have, um, 
you know, freeze dryers and dehydrators. So there's all these like motors going. So we don't listen to podcasts in the kitchen really, but sometimes people will if they have their headphones in, if they're in down there by themselves. But when we're all together, I um, usually, we kind of split the day up. So, um, you know, whoever is in the kitchen first kind of puts on the music for the first part of the day. And then when they um, take their break, then usually the next person will put on their music for the second part of the day. Because I think it's just like an important piece of of just being happy in the kitchen that you get to listen to the things that you want. Yeah, definitely. We we just started doing something where we uh, rotate albums. So you you pick an album and then it goes on to the next person and the next person. Cause that way I I just like think like I have, I've kind of since getting Spotify like four years ago, I've kind of gone more towards like the songs as opposed to like the album. And I feel like for half of the album it's gonna you're gonna be listening to it over blending so it's just like if yeah. you miss the good song and uh, yeah so i'm always i always love hearing the the dynamics in the kitchen sure um we don't have time to go through 27 different hot sauces um <laughs> but uh i guess if, if you could like give us your farmer's market pitch and then maybe this is pitch is to somebody like me that has that like consumes a lot of hot sauce. So I don't know if there's like adding on to that, if there's any like favorite peppers that you have or other favorite ingredients that you you find in a lot of your hot sauces. Yeah. So a lot of the um, sauce flavors, like I said, come from things being in season at the same time. So, um, the ones that I am the most proud of are ones that use interesting techniques. Cause I think that's one of the things that I can offer to people is that because I am a small company and I'm doing things, you know, with a small team, I can um, do things that maybe other people, if, you know, you're using a Coke packer, or you're from a big um, company, wouldn't take the time to do because time is money. So um, one of my favorite sauces that I do is our bird's eye basil sauce. And that one, um, we grow all the basil for and we create an infused vinegar. So um, we use a white balsamic vinegar, which is one of my favorite vinegars to use because it's a little bit sweet from the grapes, but it's not like overpowering sweet. Um, And so we infuse that vinegar with the basil that we grew. So already that um, means a lot to me because it's like yeah. my hands have been in all of that process, you know? And so and, it's and like, there's no other vinegar like that. In, no. Yeah. In and it's beautiful. And, and that's a technique that I, um, taught people how to do in my book for doing these, um, these, uh, purple basil brined cherry tomatoes. And so it, I was doing that already again. Oh yeah. So, so my canning book is called preservation pantry, uh, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. And it teaches people, um, techniques for canning. Of course, there's like a canning lesson in the beginning and it has all these recipes that involve like infusing, dehydrating. So stuff that, um, I was doing already, but then it also teaches people how to use everything that they would maybe normally compost. So like, let's say, um, 
you're pickling carrots. There's a, a recipe with habanero pickled carrots with daikon and lotus root. So you're making those pickles and then um, you're using the carrot tops to make a carrot top pesto, which normally maybe they would just be composted. So um, it goes through that whole thing because that's the model that we use with our sauces too. We use all of the scraps and all of the pieces so that we don't have waste. Um, but anyway, so with that, so that sauce, that bird's eye basil sauce, the technique is from my book for this um, purple basil brined um, cherry tomato recipe, but I use it to make this um, basil vinegar. And then I use leeks as a base. So in Portland, you know, we we have this very wet climate. Um, so there's sometimes where there's not a lot of things available. Leeks are almost always available. And so I really wanted to, and they're beautiful and they're so good. And when you yeah. use leeks in a sauce, they create, you know, a lot of French sauces will be, will have this base, either, either leeks or shallots. And um, it just creates this really nice silky texture for a sauce. So um, the base of that sauce is these wonderful Pacific Northwest leeks. And then um, I use, Thai chilies and jalapenos in there. And so it's just this really nice, beautiful um, green. It's not super spicy. I'll, I love putting it in things like salad dressings and, and um, all kinds of things that you would maybe want that fresh basil flavor, but you maybe don't have basil around because it's not in season. Our, our um, basil is very fragile at the farmer's market. There's only a small amount of time that you can get it. Um, so this way you can have it all the time. That's awesome. Very yeah. cool. You mentioned a lot of the hot sauces you do are kind of inspiration of what's available. Do you ha have you had any examples of a sauce where you feel like, oh, this would be go really well with a certain dish or you're looking for a certain profile? Sure. Well, some, so sometimes people will, um, I do recipe development for people. So, so sometimes if somebody wants to add something spicy to their line, they'll, they'll come to me, um, you know, to do that. But also within that, sometimes restaurants will want me to make something for them that would, it would be more of like a kind of co-branded, but, but I really like to, if I'm going to make something, you know, I want to, um, come up with the flavors, but they'll tell me kind of what they're looking for. And so then th I, that's a really cool process because, um, you know, it's not something that maybe I would come up with, but yeah. I want it to go well with their food and have it be something that they want to share with their customers and be proud of and their customers buy. But that sort of leads me into these other places that aren't just me walking the farmer's market, because that's what I do for our normal stuff. But then if I'm doing something with with someone else, you know, we can get weird and do fun out of the box stuff. I think a good example of that one is the sauce I did for the Heatnist. So, um, so Noah is the owner of Heatnist and he has this wonderful hot sauce store in New York. And so every year they do a new sauce, um, with one of their vendors or makers, um, that's made just for them. And they want it to be something like pretty unique and, um, but they have an idea in mind of what they want. So I have to, I feel like this is where my like counseling skills come in, mm -hmm. where I have to sit down with someone and I have to really listen and hear what they want and then be able to, you know, make that fit with what their palate is, which is an interesting um, 
thing to do, you know? So when I did that sauce with them, they're in New York and I'm in Portland and I had to go back and forth. Uh, I either had to ship them sauce to try and be like, you know, am I kind of touching on what you want? Uh, and then I ended up for the final versions, just going there so I could um, talk it out with them what they wanted. But that one was really neat because they wanted, um, you know, it, <laughs> It had to fit with what they wanted, but it also still had to fit with what we do. So we are really telling the story of the Pacific Northwest and we're using these ingredients that, that um, you know, that are available here. And so, um, you know, I got, that sauce is called charred chive dulce. And so I um, sourced garlic chives from one of our local farmers and I char them over a charcoal grill. And then um, we, the very interesting piece is that we sourced this dulce seaweed and there's a seaweed farmer in um, Oregon. His name is Chuck and he has these big tanks along the Oregon coast and he grows this dulce seaweed and dulce is this really purple, beautiful seaweed. Um, so he, you know, showed up to our kitchen with big drippy bags <laughs> of wet seaweed and then I dehydrated it and um and put it into this sauce and so it just gives it um you know it they really wanted a sauce that people could cook and like stir fry anything with and it would be ready um you know with everything in there so we use like organic miso we use the um the dull seaweed that i dried we use yeah. the char chives so it's a really forward umami flavor yeah yeah that. and it's yep. and it's fun and it's not that spicy of a sauce which is um i think people come to expect that from the heatness because they also, you know, choose the sauces for hot ones, but this, yep. that's not, so it would have been easy for me to take that route, I think, and go, okay, we're going to do this really spicy sauce, but that's not what they wanted. And so I had to be able to hear that and, and create this other thing. So, and it turned, you know, I love it. We use it all the time because it's that's like, great. it's makes cooking really easy, which is my, you know, one of my ultimate goals. So, yeah. Um, what, what sort of peppers did you use to kind of add the heat element? We use, um, some different dry chilies. So we use Thai chilies and then bird's eye chilies, um, that I, I also use a technique from my cookbook where, um, you're basically pickling the chilies and with coriander and all of these spices, and then you're blending it up and straining it out. So the sauce itself isn't, um, gritty, um, but you're creating all of this flavor by, by doing that process. And it is, not easy, yep. <laughs> not, not an easy process to do. It takes a long time when you're, you know, you're straining out, um, blended pepper mash, but, but it that's about, yeah, turned that's, out that, that's it. yeah, that's your specialty. That's what you guys are about. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I think like I, I, something that I am curious about is somebody that's been making hot sauce for a few years, but not 10 years is just like the, sometimes like the distractions and pulls away from your own personal reasons for, for doing this. And I feel like it happens sometimes when I'm at like bigger events or, or where I'm just like, I, I, I feel this pressure to pitch myself uh, at. And I think like you and when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned you were at the fancy food show. And I feel like that's like kind of an atmosphere that's like really big, really intense, but you, you feel like a, a competition or a pull 
towards something different. And then you might realize, oh, wait, that's not kind of what I'm about. Yeah, I I think it brings up a really good topic, which is that, um, you know, when I was doing social work stuff, it's it's all about connecting to your community, you know, helping people doing all this stuff. When I entered the hot sauce world, I, I of course didn't really know what I was getting into. And because it was sort of a long time ago, it wasn't very welcoming, especially to women. Um, mm. You know, when I, when I, the first year I started, I won a SCOBY award. It's the only contest I ever entered. Um, and the response, I think to me, being there and winning this award was was not great. It didn't feel good. Um, people kept asking if my husband made the sauce. Um, they they were a bit of bullies, the people that were around. And I hated that feeling. And I was like, mm. if I am going to be in this world, this this sauce world, I have to put good out in there to the world because I don't want anyone to feel this way because it sucks. And, you know, um, I, I think coming from Portland, you know, we have this mentality of like us all being, you know, our city motto is like, keep Portland weird. Like we're very accepting to people that maybe don't fit into other things. So I really wanted to create that vibe. So I started this uh, Pacific Northwest hot sauce makers group. And it was, um, you know, anybody that I wasn't very limiting to what that means. Sometimes there's like picklers, mustard makers, whatever. There's all different people in that group. But it was so that we could support each other and help each other out and not we were all going to be at the same places and same shows anyway. So I didn't want anybody to show up and be like, oh, I I haven't talked to that person or do I talk to that person or are they my competition? You know, and I just really wanted to be inspired by our chef community that we have here, which was everyone is friendly with each other. They, you know, all get together and do things together. They go to each other's restaurant openings. Uh, and I really wanted to create that vibe here because it sucks to go somewhere and not feel comfortable and not yeah. feel welcomed. And, and I really think that has, kind of helped all of us. So like, you know, and we'll help each other if like somebody, not that everybody uses all the same bottles and things, but some, some people do. So if, especially during the pandemic, it became this really great way for us to stay connected, but also help each other because people yeah. were running out of supplies. And like, maybe I had a lot of bottles, but I didn't have any lids and somebody else had lids um, and I could give them bottles, you know, like whatever it was, we could create this really strong support system. And I think I just try to do that anywhere I go. And it, it doesn't always work, you know, like when I'm at the fancy food show, maybe there's going to be other makers that aren't, that don't know me, aren't part of my group and it, and maybe they don't want to have anything to do with me and that's okay, but I'm going to put out the, you know, these kind of good vibes to people. And if they're not into it, totally fine, but it just makes me feel better about, um, you know, what I'm doing for the world because yeah. yeah, I'm making hot sauce, but I also care about people and care about community. So I want all of those things to, to come out and be part of my life and experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think like community is what I personally have been really attracted towards. And, and, I, and I, I've also been thinking about like community because like doing craft hot sauce, like I love sharing the store, like talking to you. And, and also I think we've done like 150 maker 
features since 2014. And that's really cool. But it's like, but what is a community? Because it's, it's like it, there, there's not all my, all our like podcast listeners and everything. They, they aren't necessarily engaging with each other, but they're, they're engaging some similar content, but it's got me thinking a lot about community. And I think it's, um, I, I'd be curious of your thoughts on things to do with, with building community, but I think generally it, it's giving and sharing and just like being active. Cause I feel like what you were talking with coming, driving back to the community, I think it's, a, it's, it's helpful to kind of at least for me to kind of shake off those cobwebs or distractions by doing the things that I love most, which is like chopping up vegetables and peppers and cooking and doing a farmer's markets. And it's just like those interactions that get me sucked back into it. But um, I don't know if you yeah. have any thoughts on that. Well, I, yeah, I think that, um, you know, if you think, if you think about, you know, you bring up like, there's, there's a difference between like makers and, you know, then also the hot sauce community that, that purchases our sauces and that mm-hmm. buys our sauces and they become part of our world, right? They also don't want to feel uncomfortable when there's multiple makers um, in the same place, you know? So I just did the night market with um, a couple other makers in town and they're, they're in the group and we're buddies. And so, you know, if customers come up and they're like, oh, you have sauce, I just bought sauce. And then I can have that dialogue with them and be like, oh, did you get it from David? You know, he's from Hob Sauce and um, his sauces are great. What'd you get? Uh, creating that dialogue with with the people that are shopping is also important because they're going to be stoked instead of feeling bad that they got something else like nobody likes to feel bad (laughs) whether whether it's us as makers or or shoppers and I think that there's room for everybody in um in this market specifically because nobody is just going to have one sauce in their fridge that's into sauces they're going to have a whole shelf and we can all fit into that. And so I think that we can, you know, support each other within that. When I first started the group, I just invited, I didn't know if it was going to work, you know, (laughs) and I was telling my husband about it. I'm like, you know, I just think like, we all see each other. There's really great people. There's a lot of really great families. We're doing the markets together anyways. So I just invited everybody over. I like created an Instagram feed. I'm like, Hey, I want to have a potluck with all of us makers, all you have to do is show up, make something with someone else's sauce and we'll all hang out. And they all came and it was great. But, you know, I had to sort of take that risk to be yep. like, this is either going to be really awesome or it's going to really not be awesome, but I'm, I'm willing to put it out there. And it ended up, you know, of course being great. And then we've created this support system all together, which is rad. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I think people listening to this might get some ideas and, and, uh, I'm located in Boston and, and, uh, Barry's hot sauce and white horse station hot sauce. They're just doing, and actually also spicy shark. Um, there's some kind of Boston, new England, Southern New Hampshire hot sauce events. And I think it's going to be like the first time in our area where we've kind of come together. So I think your group there has kind of inspired me to kind of make some extra efforts to, get some people together. And I think that's really cool. Like actually, I think there's nothing like getting people in a room or outside together. 
Um, and then when you're eating food and eating food with hot sauce, that's just like taking it to the next level. But I don't know if there's other things that you found have been kind of helpful to build on the community. Um, I guess like some probably friendships and, and relationships develop from those gatherings, but I don't know if there's anything that you've kind of attributed some of the success in the community towards. Well, I think, you know, like I said before, it sort of started with the chef world. So there's um, a chef here, Andrew Garrett, he does Northwest Elixirs hot sauce. And, and yeah. he, he started maybe, maybe the same time I did, um, maybe even just a year before or something, but he right away was like so welcoming and helpful. And um, he, before there was all the hot sauce expos that brought everybody together, which now, you know, there is one in Portland, there's one in New York and um, other places, but he did an event at OMSI where he invited all of us to come for, you know, I, I can't remember what it was called, but um, for all of us to come have this hot sauce thing. And they did like a spicy wing contest and he would talk about what we all did. And so that was just like a good starting point after having that really negative experience it was a good thing and so I think I hope that people hear this and and not just hot sauce makers I, I hope it inspires people to create groups amongst whatever your thing is you know um, I also have the Portland Preservation Society which is a canning club here and we get together every month and trade things but I think that just creating groups where people have might not know each other but have like interest is just a great way to enhance our lives you know yeah. it it gives you a passion it gives you um connection to people and especially now when we're like figuring out how to reconnect with each other i think it's a great way to do it whatever your interest is just start it up you know we started the preservation society through facebook like back in the day and um it grew really big and then we kind of pared it down because it, we couldn't, we had so many people, we couldn't host them all in one spot because we usually do it in people's homes. So we had to pare it down a little bit, but you know, we've been able to do that. And I think that it just, it, you know, it's a life enhancer. I think that it helps yeah. everybody, whether it's a sci-fi book club or like whatever your thing is, I think it's nice to find people to connect with. Yeah. I, I, and I think like no matter what age you are, uh, if you, bring the space and take the steps towards doing that. Like you're, I'm confident that there's going to be a whole host of new interests that come up in my whole life. Cause if you told me I'd be doing this hot sauce, like 10 years ago, I, I, I it just wasn't on my radar at all. But I think if it's, if there's that event or that hook or that um, those resources where you can kind of take that easy step into it and then be welcomed. I, I think that's um, a, a good reminder for everybody to, yeah. to have that with whatever they're doing. And I don't even think it has to be anything that you're good at. Like I've been doing this kind of thing for years before I had the sauce business. I had a photo club with people that I worked with. Like when we're, when you're social workers, your life is stressful. And so we wanted things to do that, um, that were not stressful. So we had a photo club. We would just meet up on weekends. We would wander around, usually outdoors and take pictures of things. I was a terrible photographer. I still am not that good of a photographer, but one of the people in my photo club who, you know, that was now 
15 years ago. He does our photos for our sauce business and he's great at it. He was just here like taking all these great photos. And so I think that, you know, we still have stayed connected. Would we have stayed connected if we just had a job together? I don't, I don't know, but we became lifetime buddies because we had this photo club and it inspired him to leave social work and become a photographer, you know, and it's worked. So I think that, I think that I hope that people can hear that and just do some things that bring joy into their life. Absolutely. I love that. Um, well, Sarah, I think think we're going to wrap up, uh, but I have one more, I guess, one more question. You, You mentioned joy. Um, and I, I, I love that, uh, as, as a focus, what is bringing you joy in the near future? What, what, are, what are you kind of super pumped up about as we're um, exiting the, the winter and the days are getting longer? Yeah, well, uh, so like I mentioned before, I think having a passion that maybe you're not so good at is, <laughs> is, is okay. And so Right now, what I'm really into is roller skating. I have um, an eight-year-old daughter and um, we go roller skating every week. We started out at the beginning of the pandemic because it was something that we could go do. They were doing outside roller skating and then now they have moved it inside. But I am I could barely do it at first. And now I have gotten a little bit better and I have a goal to try to skate backwards by the end of the year. I'm working on it. I fall. I'm not good. It doesn't look cool like all of the Instagram videos that you see that is not me but I'm still going every week and doing it that is incredible uh and you know I know I actually get uh some cayenne peppers from this farmer and she has been getting really into roller skating and every day I see her doing her videos of her practicing Mm -hmm. and it looks, I mean, she is incredible and getting a lot better, but it, it, it's really hard. And, uh, I, she, I think she's also working on, on going backwards and everything, but like on Thursday night, I think there's a, a local, um, skate rink where, where it looks like a really good time. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I think that, that, that sounds like a lot of fun and would be filled with joy. So, yeah, that's definitely bringing a lot of joy in my life. And then I, you know, I always love learning new things. So the other thing is that I, um, I got a freeze dryer. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's, it's just like a really cool new way, um, that you can, uh, preserve and dehydrate things, or I mean, instead of dehydrating things, preserving things. And so I've been playing around with that a lot. So there's a big learning curve, you know, but I've realized some really fun stuff that I can do. And, um, and that brings me a lot of joy and my daughter too, because we've tried to freeze dry all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's really (laughs) fun. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's really cool. Like, especially when you, I think you're, you're a business owner and you have so many, different ways to use skills. Like I, I almost feel like every single, I, I could probably think of roller skating, how like there's probably five or six different ways that that could benefit hot sauce in, in some way. I, I don't, don't quiz me right now, but like, I feel like <laughs> a, anything you can, can do, I mean, not necessarily tied to hot sauce, but it, it's, it's kind of funny how just learning can affect your way, your life in so many different ways that you, you don't even think about to begin with. 
Well, I think being, yeah, being a business owner can be kind of all consuming too. So you need to have those things to get outside of it a little bit, get outside of your head. Um, and, you know, roller skating for me is a great way to do that because I can just go have fun and laugh and fall and dance. And it's all, it's just, there's nothing, there's no downside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, well, Sarah, th- thank you so much for the conversation um, I, I'm personally, uh, I think I'm going to have to put an order on, on your website to try some of the, the sauces that are available because they, they sound really unique. Uh, and I definitely know that they're, they're made with, with love and passion and joy. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, uh, and, and sharing, uh, your, your story with us. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on and thanks for doing this podcast. I think you're a big part of bringing people together too. And it's, um, you know, I'm sure that it feels, fun and exciting for you to talk to all these great people. So thanks for doing it and sharing people's stories. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. Sarah's a lovely person, has a lot to share with the community. So thank you, Sarah. Appreciate your time. And thank you for supporting the craft hot sauce industry by learning more, becoming educated in this. Um, If you enjoy it, please give us a review um, and tell a friend or a fellow chili head or hot sauce maker about this podcast. But now enjoy the full song by Vita and the Wolf with Home. And just a reminder, you can download her music on her Bandcamp or purchase a record from the Tender Loving Empire. See you later, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day. You can be the star.